Good evening. It is seven o'clock or just a few seconds before, so we are going to go ahead and get started uh, with our uh, study of the book of Exodus again uh, this evening. Prayerfully, uh, everyone is staying safe uh, as we watch the world's events unfold day by day. Uh, I, I don't think it's news to anybody if I say that we are living in troubled times, and if ever our world needed Jesus, certainly the time is now. Um, but all of that withstanding, God continues to be good. He continues to reign in the kingdom of men, and we need to be persuaded and uh, trust fully uh, that God is in control, uh, that he has a plan, and our part is to be faithful to him. Having said that, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you, Father, for another day that you have blessed us to see. Father, we are thankful for our portion of grace and mercy. Thankful, Father, that you continue to keep us, that you continue to provide us with the things needed to sustain life. And above these things, Father, you have blessed us with life eternal in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask that you would bless us in the living of these days, that all that we say and all that we do might work to the glory and honor of your name. Father, we are mindful at this time of all of those who are suffering, uh, not just from the COVID-19, but uh, whatever their health issue might be, uh, all of those who are dealing with other adversities in their living, we ask, oh God, that you would bless them, each one according to their need, but asking, Father, in all things that your will would be done. Father, we come at this time asking that bless us as we read and study together from your word, uh, that we would know the things that you revealed to us, that we would embrace them and uh, live by these things day by day, again, that your name might be praised. Father, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who makes it all possible. And in his name, we do pray and ask all things. Amen. So as you can see, we are at the so what's for chapter 15 of the Exodus. Uh, in chapter 15, we have uh, the Israelites on the other side of the sea. Uh, They're rejoicing, praising the Lord for uh, delivering them from Egypt. Uh, then not long after that, they have nothing to drink and they complain uh, and it just kind of gets to be a, a regular thing with them. I, I think if you uh, read of some adversity with the children of Israel and then I, I throw the question out and guess what they did, uh, invariably it seems like uh, the first thing that they did was murmur. So let's look at the so what's for chapter 15. Uh, as we look there, uh, the first of these would be uh, rejoicing in song. Uh, now, bear with me. I'm just not sure if my laptop is slow or if I just didn't give it a good click. There we go. Uh, so the first one is rejoicing in song. And singing, uh, depending on the nature of the song, is a merry activity. Now, I know there are some songs that are not uh, written or designed uh, with uh, rejoicing or merriment in mind. Uh, but you remember, James counsels us that if we are married to sing songs, 
so singing is a merry activity. There is no song better than a song of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, the Hebrew writer declared in Hebrews 13, verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so singing songs of praise is certainly in order. Uh, I, I would say that every morning that we open our eyes, uh, uh, there is a song of praise to be sang. Uh, uh, as God blesses us throughout the day, there is a song of praise to be sang. And uh, throughout the course of the day, God just does some extra good things aside from all the good things that he does on a regular basis. And so certainly one of the ways that we uh, show our praise and exp express our appreciation for his blessings is to rejoice in song. Now, certainly we always want to live lives uh, in agreement with his will and his way, uh, but singing, uh, uh, not only do we have the example uh, here in Exodus, but we also have the commandment uh, for us to rejoice in song. And uh, not only can it be a merry activity, but you know our our mood, our spirit ought to be one of expressing uh, rejoicing. You know, it, it's a sad thing to sing a song of praise to God and sing as if I'm down in the dumps. Now, again, I know every song isn't. Uh, uh, as upbeat, not just in tempo, but as upbeat in uh, meaning uh, as, as some other songs. But nonetheless, we ought to put our spirits into our singing uh, as well. And I can just imagine the Israelites, when they get to the far side of the sea there, that uh, they are beside themselves with joy, that their oppression uh, is over in a way that even they can appreciate. They, they see the Egyptians uh, dead there in the sea, and so they have been freed, and I can imagine what kind of singing was going on uh, there. And so when God blesses us in our living, uh, certainly uh, a song of rejoicing uh, would be appropriate. When we come together on Sundays, uh, we ought to uh, rejoice in song. Uh, let's see, I popped a note up here. Oh, happy day is supposed to be sung quickly and joyfully. This from brother Kevin Caldwell. And I would say, obviously, Kevin is uh, well-versed and trained in music. So I'm going to take his word for that one. Amen, Kevin. And so uh, the next time we sing that, let's sing it uh, just that way. All right, uh, moving on to the so what's. Uh, the next uh, item for consideration uh, there is the nature of God. Uh, the song of deliverance in this chapter tells us 16 things about God. Now, uh, I didn't nearly go back and count. I, I got this out of a book, but it is a credible source. Uh, I'm going to read you the 16 things that we find expressed about God uh, in this song uh, that was sang there in Exodus chapter 15. God is, number one, his people's strength. Uh, number two, his people's song, and number three, his people's salvation. He is four, a warrior, five, the Lord, six, the deliverer, seven, majestic in power, eight, the conqueror of his enemies, and nine, the controller of nature. God is 10, unique. No other God can be compared with him. He is 11, majestic in holiness, 12, awesome in praises, 13, a wonder worker, uh, 
14, a guide, 15, a redeemer of his people, and 16, king over all. And so there's no wonder then that the Israelites were singing. Uh, uh, when you give consideration to all of that, how can you help but to sing uh, a glad song of praise to the Lord for being uh, all that he is and for the way that he blesses uh, our living? And then the third item there in uh, chapter 15 of our So What's, uh, the bitter is made sweet. Uh, we will face bitter water at some point in our living. Uh, these may be in the form of trying times, uh, temptations, problems, and personal difficulties. Uh, all of these could be styled as bitter water, but God is able to make the bitter sweet, and he does this in one of two ways. Now, uh, sometimes he changes the circumstance, and I would think that that is our uh, preferred uh, method of God changing uh, the bitter to sweet. Now, he doesn't always work that way, but certainly uh, sometimes he does. I, I want to cite here, uh, he did this in the case uh, with uh, Naomi. Uh, if you will look with me in Ruth chapter 1. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, beginning at verse number 20. The Bible says there, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed, witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Now, Ruth is only four chapters long. Uh, so if you are not familiar with the story, I'm not going to relay it to you uh, for your personal reading, either today or tomorrow. You can go back and read uh, the account of Ruth. Uh, but if you will look there at the final chapter, chapter 4, uh, starting at verse number 14, uh, then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so certainly it was a very uh, hard time in the lives of uh, Naomi and Ruth, and God intervened there and changed uh, the circumstance. Now, God can do that, uh, but what we may profit more from is not when God changes the circumstance. The other way that God can uh, change the bitter to sweet is he can change our attitude toward the circumstance as he did in the case of the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to read just a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 in your Bibles. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. 
And he, said, he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And as we think about the apostles' reaction here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, when God changes uh, our attitude toward the circumstance, uh, what that really means is that God has changed us and we are better suited uh, for service. And prayerfully, uh, whatever our attitude may have been with the start of the uh, safety measures that have been taken in regard to this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, prayerfully, if our attitude was one that we were uh, felt inconvenienced and murmuring, that uh, we have come to see that God can bless us, uh, whatever the circumstance may be, and prayerfully, we have a little, uh, a little different outlook on just the case we are in uh, right now. Prayerfully, we have been making wise use of the time. We have used it to draw uh, not only closer to God, but closer to our family members. And certainly, I appreciate that this may have created uh, and has created, uh, in particular, some financial difficulties for some people. But again, this is yet another opportunity for God to show uh, that he is a deliverer. And so sometimes God changes the circumstance, and then sometimes he changes our attitude uh, toward the circumstance. Uh, let us always remember that it is not our place to dictate to God or to give God ultimatums as to uh, how he helps us. Uh, when you stand in need of help, uh, you take what help you can get. Uh, certainly, we are not in a place ever to dictate to God uh, what he must or should do as it pertains to our living. And I would venture if, if we had a conversation with the Apostle Paul uh, prior to uh, his statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, that he may have appreciated intellectually uh, that God can equip us for better service through adversity. Uh, but adversity is just that. You know, it's one of those things you don't want to go through. And thank God, most of the time we don't see it coming. Uh, but he blesses us and causes us to be the better uh, because of it. So this would then uh, conclude what we have for chapter 15. And we will press on into chapter 16. Uh, oh, oh, you know, I, I will apologize, you all. I highlight in my notes when I'm supposed to click, and sometimes the highlight just doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, so you can see we have the note there. Uh, if you need the scriptures, uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, and also chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, uh, and then he can change our attitude towards the circumstance, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 7 and 10. Uh, my apologies, they should have been up there longer uh, if you are taking notes for you to have been able to write them down. Uh, fortunately, our brethren are making this PowerPoint and the recording uh, available, <coughs> excuse me, uh, with other material 
uh, on the church's website. So glad you don't have to depend on just me to appreciate when I see a highlight uh, to click so the item will pop up. Exodus chapter 16, uh, verse number one. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Now, that's the name of the place. Uh, you know, when you read that, it almost sounds like where you would go to commit evil deeds. Uh, not so named for that reason. That's just what it was called. Uh, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. One of the other things that would attest to uh, the authenticity and the veracity of, of the narrative uh, throughout the Bible, but uh, in this case, we're talking about uh, the Exodus, uh, is how specific the information is. Uh, notice he tells us uh, what day, uh, the 15th day of the second month in this case, uh, very precise information. And if this were uh, just a fanciful story, uh, who would be as exact as that kind of uh, providing that kind of detail uh, in the telling of a made-up story. Uh, of course, the greatest testament uh, is the fact that God says his word is true, and uh, that settles the matter uh, out of hand. But in verses 1 through 3, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, if we had to elicit what was Israel's reaction uh, when they were first faced with adversity, uh, then murmuring is almost a sure bet that this is what they did. Uh, and so here in verses one through three, we have more murmuring. Uh, and there are some serious dangers to murmuring. I hope we appreciate, number one, murmuring never fixes anything. As a matter of fact, it, it makes it seem worse. And I am sure that there are some folk that are murmuring right now uh, again, about the restrictions that have been put in place uh, because of the current pandemic. Uh, and it hadn't made anything better by murmuring. Uh, and all it has done is uh, serve to darken the mood of the murmurer and, if anything, to discourage those that will give ear to it. Uh, but when we talk about the dangers of murmuring, uh, appreciate, number one, murmuring is a sin. It, it is against the will of God. In Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, when the Bible tells us we are not to murmur, it certainly does not mean that we cannot address wrong. Uh, it certainly does mean, though, that we ought not involve in character assassination. Uh, we ought not fancy ourselves uh, uh, armchair quarterbacks. Uh, and if you don't know that term, uh, find somebody who watches football especially if their team is, has not done very well here lately, and they'll be glad to clue you in as to what that means. Uh, but appreciate murmuring is a negative action that yields negative results. Uh, there is wrong in our world that needs to be addressed. 
Uh, but if you notice, uh, Jesus commands us, when we are addressing wrong, go to the source. Uh, if you have an issue with your brother, go to your brother. Don't tell everybody else in the church how wrong your brother is. Go to your brother and deal with the matter. Now, when you go to everybody else, that's murmuring. Uh, prayerfully, when you go to your brother, you will go with the spirit of Christ, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of love, and reconciliation will be the priority. Uh, but when you look at what the Israelites are doing here, uh, th this thing, there's no way there's, you know, can be construed as uh, it being a positive action. In fact, uh, when we look at what the Israelites are doing here, this really is a form of blasphemy. And I say that because God made it clear that Moses was his servant. And so any accusation against Moses was really an accusation against God because God through the agency of Moses had led Israel out of Egypt. And so everything that Moses had commanded, everything that Moses had done was in agreement with the will of God and a direct act, uh, action uh, because of the power of God. So to complain, uh, to murmur against Moses was in fact to murmur against uh, the God on whose behalf Moses was at work. And we wanna be very careful uh, lest we find ourselves complaining uh, about God uh, and, and maybe unwittingly, but uh, whether or not we are conscious of it doesn't change uh, what it is. Uh, you know, when you complain about people, uh, remember we all have one creator uh, so we want to be very careful uh, how we address wrong and why we address wrong. Uh, when we talk about murmuring, uh, and, and again, I think the Israelites here are a prime example of it, uh, murmuring stems from disregarding or even despising the blessings that we do have. Uh, the Israelites here, they showed no regard for their freedom. Now, just a little while earlier, they had been singing a song of praise, you know, rejoicing how glad they were to be free, how great God was, and how thankful they were uh, for what he had done. Uh, but now they show no regard for their freedom. They disregard God's deliverance. And uh, on top of that, they showed no faith in God's power, uh, which they had seen demonstrated in a remarkable fashion. Uh, not only in the 10 plagues on the Egyptians, but God divides the sea and allows them to pass through uh, while the Egyptians are swallowed up and they try to do the same. And uh, then you add on top of that, uh, they spoke foolishly. Uh, listening to the Israelites in, in verse number three, and let me read it again. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Uh, well, they were dying there, uh, but they were calling for a deliverer. Uh, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Uh, listening to the Israelites, uh, you would think Egypt was a country club. Uh, but if life was so good there, you know, why did they cry for deliverance and why did they willingly and gladly leave? Uh, you know, we don't read in the narrative that anybody was dragged against their will, kicking and screaming out of Egypt uh, and protested uh, that they wanted to stay. And so, you know, when we do not regard uh, the way that God has blessed us and when we overlook the fact that even in our adversities that God is in control, uh, it may be that we speak foolishly. 
and we may not appreciate it when we're doing it, uh, but there are things that we can say and uh, you know, there's just uh, no justifying or no rationalizing to make this thing uh, right. Have you ever heard somebody say something to the effect, nobody loves me? Uh, when there, there may be a lot of people in your life against you, uh, but John 3.16 still says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I appreciate when you are in the uh, uh, furnace of adversity and right in the midst of trial that it is easy to forget uh, God's blessings uh, because of what we are faced with. But this is why we think on those things before we head into adversity so that we are prepared to uh, conduct ourselves accordingly when we are in adversity. You know, if ever anybody needed a reason uh, to study their Bibles on a regular basis, uh, you know, by yourself on a daily basis, uh, the fact that you have to live in the world and you will be faced uh, with times of temptation uh, certainly would be all the incentive uh, that the honest heart uh, would need for such a thing. And so the Israelites murmur here. Uh, it is not the first time. It won't be the last. Uh, it seems to have been uh, their go-to response uh, to trouble, uh, so much so until Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 that in that regard, we do not want to follow uh, their example. So looking further uh, at the narrative there in Exodus chapter 16, verse number four, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gathered daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, at evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of God, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and bread to full in the morning, for the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. And notice he says as much, uh, there's a note here from uh, Sister McCann, Isaiah 64, six, we are all as an unclean thing, yet amen, and that is the case. And so whatever God blesses us with, is always more than we deserve and will always be more than we would ever have uh, without him. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, but again, notice Moses is very clear to say, you're not really grumbling against uh, me and Aaron. Uh, we are just vessels in God's service. Your bigger problem is with the Lord because we are here by the design of God and we are here because this is where God has led us. Uh, and it is interesting how many times, uh, you know, we don't think through our course of action uh, because we may well be operating uh, not only contrary to the will of the Lord, but actually against God himself. Uh, you remember that Gamaliel warned uh, his Pharisaic brethren uh, when they were persecuting the apostles to be careful uh, lest they find themselves guilty uh, of that very thing. Uh, 
Uh, I ran across a quote uh, from uh, the events that is recorded here, four through eight, uh, and it reads, the only thing more surprising, perhaps, is the response God gives. Rather than punish them, he rains down bread from heaven. If any needed convincing of the grace of God in the Old Testament, they need only to look here. Uh, and appreciate God's provision uh, was a test for the people. Would they trust God to provide day by day? Uh, would they trust the provision on the sixth day to be enough for two days? And some failed the test. Uh, we'll actually see that a little bit further down in the chapter. Uh, but again, it's one of those things where we need to be cognizant of the fact uh, there's more going on life than we see with sight, and thus we need to walk by faith as uh, we are called to do by the Apostle Paul. Uh, now, they have nothing to eat, but they have very specific directions from God concerning this food. Now, there are two things, you, one of two things that you can do here. You can trust what God has said, or you can lean on your own understanding. Well, if I gather up as much as I can now, that will be, it will be that much longer before we have to deal with hunger again. May we come to a realization of the fact that there is no profitable way aside from God's way. Uh, God's way is the only way to do things, uh, to be blessed and to have things work out uh, as they ought. Uh, if we look further in the narrative here, verse number nine, then Moses said to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Now, see, this is the bad thing about murmuring. It's not just what we may say to ourselves or to other people. God is aware of it. Uh, and you want to be very careful uh, because not only does God hear what comes out of our mouths, but God is able to read our hearts and to know our thoughts. Verse number 10, it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And I will say again, it is very easy to offer a critical analysis of someone else's living as far as what they should have done or should not have done, what the attitude should have been. And it's very easy to read the Exodus account and say that the Israelites should have done ABC. Uh, but I would submit to you that the grace that God showed to Israel is the same grace that he has shown to us countless of number of times in our living. Uh, if we stop and think about it, we'd like to uh, tell the story, and, and this is the story we're going to stick to, that uh, when we suffer and when we do wrong, that we are innocent victims in everything. Uh, but if the truth be known, uh, Israel's story is our story. And our reaction uh, right now during uh, this uh, pandemic uh, could serve to illustrate for many people how that in spite of the fact that God is blessing us, uh, we find something to murmur about. Uh, 
and it may not be uh, murmuring necessarily about my finances. Maybe I have not uh, uh, come to any financial hardship. It may not be uh, murmuring about my health. Maybe God has blessed me not to uh, contract uh, the coronavirus. Uh, but maybe I'm murmuring about the decisions uh, that are being made on higher levels. Uh, maybe I'm murmuring about the fact that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck at home and, uh, you know, can't go about my normal routine. Uh, there are no doubt are a lot of people that would love to have a home uh, to be not stuck in, but safe in. And so before we become guilty uh, of murmuring, uh, let us pause and make sure that we are not disregarding or despising uh, our blessings. So uh, God's message here, uh, verses 9 through 12, was that his provision of food would accomplish uh, the same thing that the plagues were intended to accomplish. Uh, and namely, that was that the people would know uh, that God, the Lord, was their God. Uh, this was... Uh, reminiscent uh, of Jesus's question to Philip. You remember in John chapter 14, verse uh, about verse nine, uh, Philip had asked Jesus to show them the father. Uh, and Jesus' response was, have I been with you so long a time uh, that you still don't appreciate uh, who I am? Uh, we can be slow to embrace what God has shown us. And I would venture for all of us, one of the things that God has shown us is that he is able to provide and he does provide. Now, it may not always be in the manner of our choosing, but thank God he doesn't listen to us uh, with every suggestion, every idea or every want uh, that we have. Uh, surely we would not be the better uh, if that were uh, the case. So verse number 13 there. So it came about at evening that quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. Why are we not surprised? Uh, when they had measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat, but when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Uh, so when I say, you know, no surprise, it worked as God said it would. There, there should be no surprise there. Uh, but of course, uh, we always feel the need to try to tweak God's plan. And so some of them 
left it until morning and uh, it was no good by the time uh, the next day rolled around. Now, the word manna means quite literally, what is it? Uh, in verse 15, that's what they said, what is it? That's where we get the term manna. Uh, and the magnitude uh, of God's provision here uh, can't be appreciated without considering uh, a couple of things. Uh, number one, the amount that would have been needed to feed Israel. Uh, the Bible says that there were some 600,000 men, 650,000 men. This is not counting uh, the women and children uh, that came up out of Egypt. Can you imagine how much you need to feed uh, a multitude of that size? and then appreciate the consistency with which it was provided. So this is six days a week, 52 weeks a year for 40 years, uh, because they ate the manna until they went over into the promised land. So from the time uh, that we read about here in chapter 16 and over the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, every day accepting uh, the Sabbath, which they were not allowed uh, to work, God sent this manna uh, to feed uh, this multitude. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that it was available every day, day after day, except the Sabbath for 40 years, uh, this is not just uh, some coincidence. Uh, this is undoubtedly uh, the hand of God and the fact that it stopped when Israel arrived in the promised land. Uh, surely you have to see uh, God at work here. There's no other way to explain uh, this provision for the Israelites, uh, the, the magnitude of the provision and the time of the pro, uh, provision and the consistency of it. Uh, this has to be uh, the hand of God. And in all of this, as he does through our living, uh, when God blesses me in this event, it is to help me be faithful to him in the next one. Uh, so when we face uh, circumstances, situations, adversities, we need to remember what God has done in our living uh, before. Uh, because if we are of the mind that, you know, I've had it, this is it, uh, that is effectively the attitude that the Israelites had, uh, talking about they wish they could have died in Egypt. Uh, you know, you brought us out here to die because there weren't enough graves uh, in Egypt. And may it never be so uh, that we speak ill of our father uh, in any manner, but especially in a manner such as that. Okay, pressing on here to verse number 22. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. And, and that's remarkable. When it was set aside in, agree in, in agreement with the command of God, uh, it did not spoil. But if it was set aside and in, at any other time, uh, it would spoil. And again, you have to see the hand of God uh, all over this. 
Verse number 25, Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Uh, you know, if you're not careful when you read that, your reaction is, you know what, and good enough for them. Uh, well, the wages of sin is death, so none of us wants what is good enough for us. Uh, but certainly, you, you would pray that they learned a lesson. Uh, do what God said. It's, it's not our place to question God, second-guess God, try to gainsay God. Our lot is to do what God said. God certainly knows more uh, than we know. Verse number 28, then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Uh, so when we read uh, that portion of the narrative, uh, it is indicated to us that uh, some of the people deferred to hearken to the Lord's command and, and God questions and rebukes uh, this lack of obedience. Uh, it was crystal clear uh, on the sixth day, take twice as much as you normally take. Uh, there will be none provided on the seventh day. And at any rate, they weren't supposed to be out on the seventh day trying to find it. And then as we hasten along here, uh, verse number 31, the house of Israel named it manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer full of manna in it and place it to be kept throughout your generations. And again, this is remarkable that they could uh, put some of it away and it would uh, keep uh, for future generations to be able to see. Uh, verse 34, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now, an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Uh, and that's kind of like somebody gives you a definition for a word and uh, you don't know the word and you don't know any of the words that they used uh, to define it. Uh, omer and uh, ephah are not terms, I believe, that we use uh, in our measurements today, I know I've always ran into ounces and uh, teaspoon, tablespoon. And so even the ones I'm familiar with can be uh, difficult uh, to gauge. What we may be sure of is that the portion that God uh, prescribed was sufficient. Uh, now, it may not have been one of those where you ate and went and had to lay down because you were full, uh, but it certainly was enough to sustain uh, their living, and this is what God supplied them uh, the 40 years of their wandering uh, in the wilderness. Now, there's a description uh, of the manna in uh, verse number 31, uh, but another important thing surfaced 
verses uh, again there in uh, verse number 32, and it is this idea of remember. Uh, we want to be careful to remember that the Lord is God. We want to be careful to remember the ways that he has blessed us in the past. Uh, we want to be careful to remember his commands and his way. Uh, one of the things that will surely lead us down a bad path uh, is to forget any of those things. And when I say forget, I don't necessarily mean that they pass from our memory, uh, but we simply defer to uh, observe or to abide by them. Uh, so certainly we want to remember uh, a big part uh, of, of Christianity is remembering, you know, on the first day of the week, uh, we come together and there is a memorial for us to remember uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sakes uh, at Calvary. And certainly we ought to be in the regular habit uh, of doing what we can to remember uh, of our own accord uh, in our personal living and not wait uh, for our corporate uh, observances. So this would get us uh, through uh, chapter 16. Uh, if we were to sum chapter 16 up, uh, we have number one, God's continued provision in verses 1 through 30. And this is big because not only did God provide uh, for Israel, but he also provides for us. The, the reason that we are alive and well today is because God has provided for us. And may we truly be thankful uh, for God's provision. And then uh, to finish out the chapter, verses 31 through 36, uh, the manna is uh, preserved. Uh, certainly, uh, as he uh, described there, uh, for future generations, uh, so that uh, they would be aware of how God had provided uh, for them. Uh, we are not going to have uh, enough time, I think, to say, uh, uh, to get through uh, the so what's, uh, let me start on them. My phone says that it is 746, which means that we have four minutes left. Uh, so what's from chapter 16? Uh, there are some very important lessons from the manna. Uh, and again, uh, just finished uh, saying this. Number one, we need to remember God's blessings. Uh, Israel's needs uh, didn't start with no food to eat. God had been blessing them uh, since, uh, you know, before they had left Egypt. Uh, and many times we look at the current circumstance and see the blessings uh, that we think we need because of this current circumstance, but overlook the fact that God has been blessing us uh, in one way or another uh, the whole of our living. Uh, the fact that he has spared us and allowed us to live uh, is a blessing. Uh, number two, we want to uh, trust God's provision. Now, the man of God's provision is not dictated by our preferences uh, and appreciate that God provides for more than our material needs. Uh, the Lord said through Moses in Deuteronomy 8, verse number three, uh, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And so many times the things with which we are most concerned uh, certainly are not the only things with which we 
can be concerned. And sometimes they, they aren't even the most important things uh, with which we can be concerned. Uh, and then the third lesson uh, from the manna, obey God's commands. Uh, the people had to gather the manna according to God's commands or do without. Uh, if you didn't get twice as much on the sixth day, then there was nothing on the seventh day uh, for you to have. If you took more than you needed and tried to keep it uh, on days one through five, uh, then it went bad. Uh, if we are to be blessed uh, by God's provisions, uh, then we need to follow his directions. And many times people want to eliminate that from the equation. Uh, they will miss uh, or, or neglect to speak where they have not been obedient, but somehow expect God to bless them uh, in spite of. And then the other item uh, from chapter 16, uh, our daily bread, uh, the account here, uh, this portion of the narrative gives us insight uh, into the Lord's directive concerning prayer. You remember in what is called the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6, uh, that Jesus, uh, one of the things he uh, uh, commends us to pray or counsels us to pray uh, is give us this day our daily bread. Uh, the Israelites had to depend on God daily for their food. Uh, and trying to store it up for the future uh, didn't work. Uh, but that's for our benefit. Uh, we need a daily reminder that I'm dependent on God so that we don't, you know, become of the mind uh, that, you know, my own hand, my own power, uh, my own might is what is providing for me. So it is good for us if we are reminded daily uh, that we need God, that we are dependent uh, upon him. Now, I'm sorry I had I raced through uh, the so what's uh, for chapter 16, but that will leave us stopping in a nice, even uh, place. Now, there is certainly more uh, to the Exodus account than we will be able to cover uh, in this form. We didn't quite get halfway, uh, but prayerfully what we have covered will be a blessing to you uh, in your daily living. At this time, let's have a word of prayer, and shortly, I believe Brother Phil, y'all will come on and lead us in a song, and then we'll have uh, the devotional. Let us pray. Our Father, and our God in heaven, we thank you again for this day, and Father, we thank you for being our provider, our sustainer, and for being all that you are, and we ask, oh God, that you would bless us to trust you, to trust your way, to trust your will. Uh, to live our lives in obedience to the things that you have commanded. And Father, that in all things, your name and your name alone would be praised. Father, we thank you for the things that you reveal to us in your word. May we learn uh, from these examples. May we live by these principles and commands. And Father, we ask that you would bless us to uh, be used faithfully in your service. Again, that your name might be glorified. Father, again, we pray for all of those who stand in need of a blessing, whatever their need might be. And we ask, oh God, that you would bless them, each one, according to your will, uh, according to the things that would work to the lifting up of your name. And Father, again, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen.